the beauty, the mess, the hope. Uh, have you ever been so familiar with something that you're actually unfamiliar with it? Uh, I don't know uh, if, if you, it's the same for you, but even the neighborhood that I grew up in, the house that I grew up in, um, I think my parents moved there when I was a year old, and they're still in the same place, and the area around it's just so familiar that it's actually somewhat unfamiliar to me. When new people come in and they say, oh, the house down there with the yellow door, and I'm kind of like, what? Because I'm just so used to driving in and out, going to the same places. Uh, or perhaps your, your family, you're so familiar with your family, you're so familiar with your parents, but then you actually think about, how much do I know? Perhaps if your parents are believers, it's, how did they come to know Jesus? How did they come to faith? Um, how did they meet each other? How did they... Uh, develop their relationship and I think sometimes it strikes me as odd because you're so familiar with your parents and your family but then you hear them talking to friends or you hear them just telling someone one aspect of their life and you're like wow I never knew that how did I not know that with being so familiar with you and I think the same thing can even happen with our, our marriages our spouses and we, you, you know so much of each other at the beginning and you're staying up till all hours of the night to get to know each other. And then as time goes on, you just become so familiar again that you forget to keep exploring and keep finding out more. So tonight I wanna take us on an adventure and it's an adventure of missing the point. Because I think sometimes just like our relationships or neighborhoods or anything that becomes familiar to us, it can become unfamiliar, and then we end up missing the point. And I think scripture can, this happens as we read scripture as well, because we grow up sometimes in church, or we, we uh, are introduced to the church and scripture later on in life, but as we keep hearing stories and keep hearing sermons, it just becomes familiar to us. So even, here's one example of after reading the sentence, you are now aware that the human brain often does not inform you that the word the has been repeated twice every time. So if you go back in that, maybe because it's on such a large screen, you caught that it has the twice. But our brain just automatically filters that out. Or here's another crazy example. This message serves to prove how our minds can do amazing things, impressive things. In the beginning, it was hard. But now on this line, your mind is reading automatically without even thinking about it. Be proud. Only certain people can read this. Please forward if you can read this. I've seen this on Facebook. We become so familiar with our English language, with the letters and words and sentence structures that we can actually comprehend what that's saying. And I was, I, I don't remember why I was taught this in elementary school, but I, I our teacher told us to read our entire, our entire assignment backwards in order to check for spelling mistakes. I think the only reason I remember it is because I had a hard enough time reading it through forwards uh, after I was done writing it because I just wanted it done that I thought that was a waste of time. But again, I want to look at the adventures and missing the point because what reading through it backwards helps us do is slow down to recognize where we might just be skimming over details within scripture, within our lives, within what God's doing, and we might be missing out on the larger point. 
So tonight, we're actually going to be looking at the, the story in John chapter 11, which is uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And I'm not going to have the whole thing on the screen. I'm going to have um, just spe specific verses. But if you have the app or your Bible with you, feel free to follow along. But what we're going to do is we're actually going to start at the end and go through it backwards, trying to look for what's actually at play here. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with this story, I'll give you the quick summary just so it's not super confusing. But there's Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, brothers and, uh, brother and two sisters. And Lazarus is ill, so Martha sends word to Jesus saying, my brother who you love, he's, he's ill, we need you to come here. And Jesus doesn't come for a couple days, then finally when he shows up on the scene, Lazarus is dead. Martha said, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened, but even now, I still believe you're the Son of God. Jesus goes to where Lazarus was buried. He, he grieves, he weeps, he openly cries. But then he goes up to the stone, and he says, roll it away. Martha then jumps to her feet and says, you can't roll it away. He's been dead for four days. He's going to stink. Jesus has the stone rolled away and says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, all bandaged up and prepared for burial, jumps out of the grave. So that's the story in a nutshell. Now this brings me to my father-in-law's lawnmower. Because a couple of years ago, I was preaching from this text. And I was having a hard time figuring out how to apply it. So on the Saturday before I had to uh, preach this, this from this text, I was wrestling through how in verse 21, Martha says, I believe you're the son of God. I believe everything. I believe that my brother's going to rise again at the end. But then when it comes to moving this stone away, she says, Jesus, don't. He's going to stink. And there seemed to be this disconnect of her saying that she believes something and then actually living it out, then actually applying it. And I had such a hard time trying to figure out how to make this connection myself until I was mowing my lawn with my father-in-law's lawnmower. And I just hit a massive rock. It was hidden beneath the grass and I'm just pushing it along and just bam! And I realized, I'm like, that's, that's what God's trying to show me right now. What stone is in the way that's disconnecting my head knowledge and my heart knowledge? Just like Martha, she has the head knowledge. She says, yes, I believe all these things, but there's a literal stone in her way of her actually saying, you know what, Jesus, I, I believe it, but don't actually roll the stone away because it's going to stink. So this is where in verse 39, Jesus says, remove the stone. Lord, the smell will be awful. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus replies, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? I think this is so natural for all of us. To be able to, to come to church, kind of understand some of the doctrines or the things that we teach, and to then walk out the door, kind of giving lip service, but then we don't fully embody what we say we believe. I know I wrestle with this myself all the time. 
And actually, as I've continued to go through school and further studies, I kept thinking, okay, when I go to Bible college, I'm going to come out with all the answers. And I came out with more questions. And when I went off, and I'm going to do further studies, I'm going to have more answers. And it just opened up more questions. But what I believe gives us so much hope in this passage is we start uncovering the humanity of Martha. We start realizing that Martha is a real flesh and blood person. That she doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't have it all figured out herself. She's on this journey of learning. And I think sometimes when we read the story from front, from beginning to end, we kind of skim over the details that she's learning as well. That she doesn't have all the answers in her back pocket. And it's not like she just it goes through the story, we have our positive ending, and we just leave it at that. But as we start slowing down and going back through this, we see that Jesus is reclaiming her humanity. We need to reclaim Martha's humanity. Because then in verse 21 is this statement where Martha then says, if only you had have been here. If only, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How often do we play this game? We play this game, I'm sure, with ourselves, with others, and with God. We say, if, if only I had more money, then I would give, give more to missions. Or if only I had more time, if I only I had a spouse, if only I had a bigger house or another car. This is what's happening to Martha right now. She's playing this game. Lord, if only you had been here, then this wouldn't have happened. Now, an important fact to note about this four days is that there was this Jewish belief as well that the spirit hovered over the, the body for three days. And it was trying to get back in the body. But by the fourth day, the spirit would leave, your soul would leave, and you would be completely dead. This is all at play here. This is all at stake. For when we get to poor timing, and when we get to Jesus' delay in actually getting there, so it says at the beginning, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was. Now that seems shocking right there that you have that Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. He hears that Lazarus is ill and he stays. But then after two days, he said to his disciples, let's return to Judea again. Let's go visit Lazarus. And it goes on in that text too. There, there's so much in this. I could have developed a whole month-long series on this because it's so rich. But it goes on to say that this is so that the glory of God can be shown, can be revealed. And I think this is where we start wrestling with expectations. Because you see, expectations, I think, give us way, uh, they lead us into doubt. They lead us into our bitterness and, and resentment. Because you see, Martha here, sent word to Jesus expecting him to come. So when Jesus doesn't show up on her timeline, 
She's asking God, if only you had been here, this would have happened. We expect God to behave and act in a certain way. But like this whole series is, it's unexpected encounters. God deals in the unexpected. You see, expectations, they come with demands and needs for a specific outcome to happen in the timeline that we expect. But there's a slight nuance because there's, there's expectancy. I actually was reading this in a devotional just this past week. And it talked about the difference between expectation and expectancy. And expectancy, he defines it as the art of holding out hope that God will speak and the Spirit will lead. Expectancy believes that light wins over dark, that love wins over fear, and that God's kingdom is a more profound reality than the imperial forces of greed, fear, and force. So expectancy, it comes as a surprise. It comes as a gift. It's not this demand that we place on God or that God's placing on us. And that's the good news, is that God doesn't deal in expectations. We, we often wrestle with that, that we need to, to do certain things and live up to a certain standard in order for God to accept, accept us. But he accepts us right where we are right as we are, and this is usually the most unexpected encounter. For me, for those of you who don't know my testimony, it was on a New Year's Eve bringing in 2007, when I had drank way too much. It was that moment that God grabbed a hold of my life and spoke to me. Talk about an unexpected encounter. But you see, expectations and love don't always line up. Because, you see, love, as we look at 1 Corinthians even, it, it doesn't have demands. But love has this vision and this hopeful expectancy. So God doesn't overlay his demands on us in the form of expectations like we do with God, but rather he invites us to reclaim our humanity and be in relationship with him. So in other words, we actually get to partner with God in what he's doing. And what is God doing? He's rec reconciling, restoring, and renewing all things everywhere. Amanda and I, just this past week, we're talking about purpose. And what's our purpose? What's people's purpose? What on earth are we here for? And I think sometimes, just like Martha, the focus becomes about us, becomes about our expectation, what we think and expect God wants us to be here for. But I think the greater purpose at play, there's this much larger story that God's calling us and inviting us to be part of, of this renewing and restoring and reconciling of all things. So God's at work right now within the community of Binbrook, no doubt about it. Through Mountainside, through Binbrook United, Knox Presbyterian, Binbrook Baptist. There's so many things happening and connections being made. The spiritual temperature is rising in this community. 
So it's not about what God's expecting us to do. Rather, it's about recognizing what God's doing and learning how to partner with him. Because you see, this story is all about Jesus. We sometimes like to make it about Lazarus. We like to, to make it about Martha and Mary. But I think what this story of Martha shows us is just that she's a real person. That we can reclaim her humanity and then find hope in the fact that we can reclaim our humanity within the pages of scripture. That it's actually showing us that, that we're no different than these people who've lived and walked before us. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus is all about relationship. So now as we go back through the story forwards, we can actually see where God's been at work all along. They always say hindsight's 2020. You look back on your life and you, you realize things, wise decisions you've made and unwise decisions. As I was thinking about what my if only statement would be, 11 years ago, I bought a house in Hamilton on the mountain for $157,000. If only I had have kept that. I talked to a realtor not too long ago and she's like, you could have sold it for so much. But that was all part of God leading me out to BC and into ministry. But what we see at the very beginning is we see Jesus modeling this posture of prayer. You see, in verse 5, it says that Jesus, uh, in verse 6, it says that Jesus stayed where he was. And after two days, he says to his disciples, let's return to Judea again. Now, it doesn't explicitly say it in this text here that he stayed and prayed. But through what we know of Jesus, I'm sure he had an ongoing posture of prayer with his father. And in fact, in verse 41, he says, Father, thank you for hearing me. Now, it doesn't say anywhere else in this text, too, where Jesus has prayed. But I think what, what he's saying is, God, thank you for hearing me. From when I first received news that Lazarus was ill to the point of being here and calling him back from the dead and out of the grave. He waits, he prays, he discerns. Jesus, he's willing to take the risk. This is one of my favorite aspects of it because he says, let's return to Judea and the disciples, they kind of jump up and say the opposition is wanting to kill you right now. The opposition is wanting to stone you. You actually want to go back there? Yes. He wants to go back there to show the glory of God. The next thing that we learn is that he's willing to hear us out. As he walks up and greets Martha, and she throws out the if-only statement. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't argue her or challenge her. He listens to her. He hears her out. In fact, I think I had skipped over this slide earlier. But he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who, believe, who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
And this is where Martha replies, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, God's son, the one who's coming into the world. He's taking just a doctrine of resurrection and he's embodying it. He, it's a person. He is the resurrection life. He's willing to hear us out. The other part of this that I know gets a lot of attention is that Jesus weeps. Jesus cries. Jesus grieves with us. And this is so powerful. It's the shortest verse in the Bible where it just says, Jesus wept, verse 35. But this shows a real authentic humanness of Jesus. But the best part of it all is that Jesus deals in the unexpected. Verse 43 to 44 shows us that God still shows up. Martha still sees the glory of God. And Jesus takes this ordinary situation and he turns it upside down. Because you see, she knows the concept of death. We all know the concept of death. When you die, you're not coming back. So her brother is gone. And she's accepted the fact that he's gone. But Jesus takes this ordinary situation. He leans into the grief. He enters into our sorrow and our suffering. But he turns it upside down. Giving us the unexpected encounter. So guys, my honest desire is that we continue to reclaim the humanity of Martha in this story. Because I think that it helps us reclaim our humanity. I think it gives us permission to sit with our doubts, our questions, our skepticism. But I think it also gives us the hope and the faith to start leaning into a relationship with Jesus. I, I pray that it gives us the encouragement to not only lean into a relationship with God, but explore who he truly is. Explore where he's currently at work, where he's calling you and all of us to participate with him in the renewing, restoring, and reconciling of all things everywhere. God's at work in this room as the group, but also in our individual lives. He's placed us in different workplaces and schools and families. I pray that we'll be open to it. Let me just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're, we're here tonight to encounter you. And I'm just so encouraged to see that I'm not alone in this journey. That I'm not alone in life. Because you, God, are with us. 
Lord, as we even took communion earlier this evening and remembered the work that you've done, God, not only are we encouraged that you have the power and the ability to bring a man back from life, but God, or back from the dead, but God, you brought yourself back. God, you overcame death, and it's through your death that we're set free. Lord, you're in the business of unexpected encounters, of turning the ordinary upside down. And God, I pray that you do that in Binbrook, that you take this small, ordinary community and you turn it upside down. And God, even though we may have doubts and questions and be skeptical of what it all may mean or look like, just like Martha, you said, if we believe, we will see your glory. And God, I pray that you want your glory to be shown. So Lord, throughout all of the churches, in Binbrook, in Greater Hamilton, and beyond, reveal your glory to us and to the communities surrounding. In your name we pray. Amen.